Backtalk is an extension of the long-running, award-winning movie review show, It's Movie Time, which airs Fridays at 4.01 and 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast version features additional content and banter with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm Kevin Carr. And this is Backtalk. Kevin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Help me with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> what, what is he doing these days? I mean, the unbearable weight of genius or something like that. And uh, yeah, talent. Well, he, you know, he, he had he had a, a couple, a huge rash of bad financial decisions and a divorce. I know he always and does. Yes. he had a lot of debt to make up. <laughs> I know. And that's why he was just taking any movie that I came to him was. and that ended up in the dollar store bin. But, you know, now and then he hits one like Pig. Well, yeah, well, now he has, uh, he's paid off his debt. Ah. Uh, just started a couple years ago, and that's why some of his, it's its not that he's going back to the blockbusters, but he's picking more interesting stuff, like, yes. you know, stuff like Mandy, or, like you said, Pig, or the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes, and, very good, yes. Uh, and, and now this one dream scenario that we're going to be talking about, he, he just... <laughs> He still is getting the off-kilter weird stuff because he's past his prime to be the leading man. Yeah. And and I think, actually, I just read in the news today, he's talking about wanting to retire from movies and might just do TV, or at least before he turns 60. But, you know, that, that makes sense because he's, he's not going to be doing the big starring roles anymore. It's, it's, it's got to be weird stuff. Yeah. I think his filmography is over 130 it's well. A lot of those are because those dollar store bin ones. I, I I've, he was just taking anything. That I know. Came to him I know it was. It was, it was. Some of them are terrible. I know it was. But I have to admire him for a dream scenario. Yeah. Here's a strange film, and and Kev, can you give me a capsule of that uh, for our audience? Yeah. Basically, dream scenario is about a, a mild mannered sort of nerdy professor who starts showing up in people's dreams. Yes. I mean, and we're talking like everybody's dreams. People don't know him, and it's this weird. <laughs> cultural phenomenon and he becomes suddenly famous and with that fame comes a lot of bad decisions and and it, it turns into a dark side yes <laughs> very good thank you that's excellent <laughs> what i love about this is that he's a, he's every man yeah ball pate big belly almost like he's on drugs but he's not just not reacting well he's a boring guy <laughs> that's the whole point what, what's interesting with this movie is it swerves into some really interesting philosophical content yes you know stuff about privacy and permission and the effect you have on people but that's not what the movie's about so i think it sort of squanders those greater stories really for more an allegory of what i would call internet fame yes you know when you go viral yes you know like there's that woman there's that you i don't know if you've seen it where a woman's getting on a she's on a plane and she's yelling that guy in the back is not real you know the these weird viral things that propel people to sudden fame and they have no idea what to do with it. Because if you're a rock star or a movie star, you've got publicists and people handling you. But but this, you get sudden fame with no cash. And it's all of those. It's exactly mm-hmm. as you said. And perhaps it's weaknesses. It does all of those. Even the cancel culture, which I find really interesting – is handled in this is a is a part of of what's happened to him. Yeah, and, and yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think it more it more aims at the triggering uh, people who 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 require tr- trigger warnings. I, and your cancel culture's there, but I mean, it's more the, the the fact that there are people that are triggered by him and things, and then they have to 
walking eggshells around. It's not his fault. Yeah. If something happens to somebody bad in their dream, it's, it's, he didn't dream it. And it's a good point because he's a tenured professor. He's, mm-hmm. he, this is not going to derail his professorship. Yeah, but I mean, it's certainly going to make it unpleasant. So yes, that, it yeah. does. I mean, when you have students walking out of your classroom mm-hmm. because they're afraid of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on this one, I see him as a guy who's reached middle age and, and wondering, as you had said, what his effect is on others. I know as a teacher and you as a broadcaster often wonder, what am I doing? Am I, is anybody listening to me? Yeah. They, and then years later, a former student comes up and says, you remember when you said... I said, "What? I said that? Yeah, you know that your effect on others you don't you don't even know. Well, and you may never know yes, too. That. But the other thing, because well, the other because the point is, is they make it pretty clear he's in hundreds of thousands of people's dreams, and he really only sees a small slice of that. But he is having an effect on all these other people, and it's more when it spills into his real life." But but you're correct. At, at a certain point in everybody's career, and I, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine, a longtime friend about this, you get, you get to the point in your career where you're like, okay, you're moving into a different phase, and you're, you're not going to accomplish anything great. You know, he's... What was he? He was like he's like is he a math professor or oh, some biology biology some, yeah, yeah evolutionary studies, biology or something studies ants and stuff. But he was never going. Mm-hmm. You know it. He he never made the breakthrough he wanted to, sure. and and he probably will never at this point because he's kind of at the yeah. end of his career. Breakthroughs are for younger people. But he is a tenured professor. He's done something significant sure. to get that. Not everybody gets tenure. True. So he has achieved something, and I love it. But there's nothing more to achieve. Well, I, that's, I think, right. yeah. the struggle he's facing. You're right, and that's his limitation. Mm-hmm. He can't see beyond that into what the next step would be. That's a good point. Yeah. And also, uh, along with what you were saying, he studies herd psychology. Yeah. And that's how he does the thing about the zebra. Yeah. You know, which I find and, and, fascinating. Well, and that is fascinating, but it also, for somebody who knows as much about it, he is terrible at managing it <laughs> because the whole point is he's dealing with herd mentality. Yeah. <laughs> And heard psychology, and yes, he is failing at oh, to the point. And this is the thing I found so interesting is because there's a scene in there where because what ends up happening is at first he's very benign in people's dreams, but then bad things happen yeah, in right. some people's he, dreams. So he becomes this pariah. And there's a scene in there where he's in a he's in a diner just reading a book and eating dinner, right. and people are mad at him. I'm like, just shave. <laughs> Maybe dye your hair, wear some sunglasses. He does nothing to change his appearance so people wouldn't recognize it's him. As he does nothing when, for instance, his daughter is levitated and he's raking leaves. Yeah. Well, that was in the time when he was doing nothing in the dreams. Yeah. But, with, but see, and that's the other thing that's interesting is depending on who you are, him not helping his daughter, and that was probably more significant than him attacking other people in people's dreams because that's a betrayal. Yes. And that's the, the dr- first dream you see. So I think that, that that's an interesting book and because it does have that emotional impact because he doesn't do anything. One of the uh, powerful scenes that I'm not sure is completely connected in the film is with the, the young ad agency yeah. intern. Yes. And uh, I, I'm trying, still trying to put together what they're doing there with that. Well, I mean, it's basically – well, what's interesting about that is that's the first time he encounters him being an active participant in the dreams. Yes. And it's, uh, it's a little naughty how he's participating. Sure. And she wants to recreate that. And, and, what's, and this is one of those things where it's like I said, it's a cascade of bad decisions. Because <laughs> if that happened to me – I'm not as old as Nicolas Cage is, but I'm encroaching on that. 
I'm a little pudgy and I don't have as much hair as I used to. So I would go into that situation and say, yeah, I'm not going to do this. There's not, nothing <laughs> right. I could do. It would just, it, all it would do is disappoint you and humiliate you. So I don't <laughs> even, you, and you, you realize he's drunk on the glamours of it. Yes. But you know it's never going to end right or right. well. Yeah, you know, right, right. With her, with this young woman. I think her character's name is Molly. So she's an attractive young woman, and she's had an erotic dream about him. Yeah. Now, anyone who's been a professor understands that this is a part of the whole business. Yeah. That is, you're standing in front of young people. And they're going to have fantasies. You're put in a position of authority, yep. uh, and there, there's something. There's a there's a sexual power to that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so she kind of manifests that. So which I always thought, well, it's a great scene for anyone who's been a college professor and has to deal with even a flirtatious coed. And as you had pointed out, you just say, I'm not going there. Well, and what's and, and that's interesting. I never I never looked at it from that perspective because I've not been, yeah. been on the professor side of it. Is this should be nothing new to him, right? That's 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 something I I, I didn't even it didn't occur to me when I saw the movie. But yes. I'm like, you're right. Is it every every professor, no matter how you know, you can look like Wallace Shawn, and you probably got somebody who who thinks you're attractive <laughs> yes, because right. of the position of power, right? Yes, and because of the subject matter, mm-hmm. and particularly for those of us in English lit, yeah, when you have all that romantic poetry and sure. so on, it's it, it's easy enough to guess that this might be going on. But what I love about the movie is it fleshes it out. It, mm. takes, it makes it, in a sense, a reality. And he has to deal with it, and you're quite right. He just doesn't... <laughs> oh, the whole movie's just bad decisions all along. But that's what it's about. It's about how a average person gets sudden fame thrust, thrust upon them and does not manage it well at all, which we see every day. <laughs> Kevin, I thought we would every time... I say every time, but whenever we come across Nicolas Cage, yeah. I always love to go back and look at his filmography. Oh, yeah. And he's got uh, an interesting trajectory. Oh my gosh. We know he won the Oscar. Yeah. For leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, and well deserved. Probably. Awful movie, but yeah. His <laughs> yeah, performance. Very depressing was movie. We'll allow oh, that. Oh, right. But it, it allowed him a platform yeah. to be, be hired for innumerable. Well, and what's funny is his earlier stuff. Was always a little bit off kilter too. I mean, stuff like *Raising Arizona*, e- even oh. *Moonstruck*, which which was I think where Good one. was where he really kind of hit the mainstream awareness. Ah. It was a little bit off kilter of a role. It wasn't very typical. I thank you for bringing up *Raising Arizona*, which I completely forgot about. That's what class film. Yeah, <laughs> very good. But yeah, that's on brand for Nicolas Cage and stuff. <laughs> and considering what family he comes from, for those who don't know, I mean, he comes from the he's, he's part of the Coppola family. Choosing not not to not to have the name to cover him now. I mean, I'm sure he had opportunities open to him through that, but but you know he made a name for himself. Yeah, Most I, people I, he probably used his name only in Ridgemont High. Yeah, and then after that yeah. he dropped it, and I really admire that. Yeah, because it's a powerful name. Even uh, his he's a, a nephew of Francis Ford. Yeah, which would make him a cousin of Sophia because okay. yeah. I think she's she's Sophia she's is, is, is yeah is Francis Ford Coppola's daughter and. But I mean, it's it's sort of like Tally Shire and, and and Jason Schwartzman. They're sort of all connected to that as well. But yes, they use use different names, which is I, I admire that. I can't remember too much about the movie, but Face Off seems to be one that people remember. When he won the Academy Award, it was sort of like, and it's funny you mentioned Face Off because that has John Travolta, and the two of them were kind of vying for the most giant blockbuster roles <laughs> and the highest paycheck post Oscar. Because you had uh, Travolta getting the nomination for Pulp Fiction and 
put him on the map, and then he started doing big stuff. And you had Cage doing the big stuff too, because I mean, he did like, yeah, like you said, Face Off. He did Gone in sixty seconds. Well, and then later in his career, he did stuff like Ghost Rider, but but he was doing yeah, stuff like, like Knowing, and yeah. and yeah. Uh, he, there was a period of time where his name was golden, and then it kind of turned right around the movie. Next, I think was when. It was no longer a guarantee that his movies were going to make money. How about Wicker Man? Wasn't Wicker Man's kind of a, a, a hot mess. It's, yeah. it's a bit of a dumpster fire. I mean, <laughs> the original is. movie's so classic. I mean, again, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> even in a terrible movie, he gives it his all. He does. He does. He really, you can't get your eyes off of him. He really is good. And I can't quite know why, except that he... I think he's serious about everything that he does. Well, it's like there's a term a friend of mine... And I coined it. It was calling it's, it's going full cage, and it's always when he kind of reaches that pinnacle moment of screaming and yelling, and you know, it's like in the Wicker Man. What the bee? Where's bees? Not the bees. Not the bees. You know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, he did like Ghost Rider. He did two different versions of Ghost Rider. That oh, were very, I loved it. Very different movies. Yes, yes. But the, <laughs> the Spirit of Vengeance, I think I remember. Really good. I just enjoyed. Again, it allows him to go over the top, and he just mm-hmm. does it very well. I was also looking at adaptation. Oh, that's a brilliant movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, and, and I it, think uh, Spike Jones directed that one. Didn't yeah, he? and a little bit of that, wouldn't you say, in this uh, dream scenario? Well, yeah, because he was playing off type, and that's and that's that's one of the reasons why I think that was such a good movie for him, because. It allowed him to play off that type of to, to actually act for once. Yeah. And this was this was at a time he was doing stuff like The Weatherman, which is not a bad little movie by uh-huh. Verbinski, uh-huh. or Lord of War, where he played an arms dealer. That was he. Oh yes, I forgot that one. Provided Good some one. real interesting stuff yeah. in there. What about Renfield, which came out? <laughs> Isn't that way off? I, I personally loved Renfield. <laughs> I love I love the idea of Nicolas Cage playing Dracula, and he just I mean chews the scenery and the camera. Camera and, and anything that's around him, <laughs> he, does. he really does. He goes so over the top. <laughs> Renfield's a lot of fun. It didn't do well, and a lot of people they got some bad reviews. But <laughs> check it out. Renfield's fun. Where I thought he was back to him being a really solid actor was Pig. Yeah, I mean, I thought that this is, and most people haven't seen it. Yeah, that, that that's that's one that's that's obscure. But it was. I think he picks movies like that. As the labor of love. Yes. As to do something yes. different. He also, there's another one, uh, sort of his comeback movies, the stuff that was still not maybe even hitting very many theaters. Willie's Wonderland is a hilarious movie oh. where he he almost says, I don't think he has very many, if any, lines in it. He plays a guy who works to clean up like like a Five Nights at Freddy's pizza place and the, the animatronics come after him and he's got to kill them all. I mean, it's... It's very bizarre, <laughs> but it's it's great in Nicolas Cage. Another one that I liked, Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah. I thought he was very good. Uh, Chloe Grace Moret as Hit Girl. <laughs> yeah. I love the two of them together. I thoroughly enjoyed. What a yeah. great he little movie. Played a version of Batman, basically. Yes, yeah, yeah. He did. You know, yeah. Just whacked out, and he's out there. I think he's going down the streets and trying to act like a superhero or something. Well, and, and if you're going to speak superheroes, every now and then you see him showing up in some animated stuff like he showed up in The Croods, does the voice in The Croods, and he also plays the voice of one of the versions of Spider-Man in the first 
uh, across the Spider Verse oh or into gosh. the Spider Verse. Yes, 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 yes. Plays um, like the the dark, like, like the, the the noir version of Spider Man. National Treasure. Those were both big hits. Yeah, those were both big movies. His debt came like in like 2015 ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought before that he was. Well, maybe a little. I don't remember the exact <laughs> yeah. time. Divorces. He, it was the divorces. He had he had bought a famously the the Action Comics number one. <laughs> he had that. He had to sell that. <laughs> It's sort of tragic, but you know it is these these, is, these cages of your own creation. Oh yeah, and it is part of who he is. Yeah, brings that baggage into his roles in some way or another, makes him fascinating. Mm-hmm. Even now in his middle age, it makes him makes me want to go to see Dream Scenario. Yeah, and I ask anybody on the street, they have no idea what we're talking about. How you can tell a good Nicolas Cage movie now <laughs> is. If it's it's an independent film, but it's got to be like from a somewhat prestige house, and this is from A twenty four. Yeah, you know, so so if it's coming out of A twenty four or Neon, it's it's probably going to be pretty good. If it's coming out of you know something you've not heard of or very very low level or something that just kind of it sometimes has good films, but sometimes has trash. Those those are his paying off his debts films. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, Kevin Carr. We have just done a job on Dream Scenario. I'm not sure we've convinced anybody <laughs> to see it, but you and I have enjoyed it. You go see it. Check it out. Yeah. Give it a shot because it's different. If, yeah, if you're the kind of film goer that will go with what they have there rather than bring all your expectations to it and just say, okay, I want to see another, see what Nicolas Cage does with something interesting, a bit obscure. For some people, it's hilarious. For me, I, I'm tough on comedy, so I'm not laughing loud in a theater. It's, it's a different type of funny. There's some very funny moments, but it's not... I mean, it's not like The Hangover or something like that. Dream scenario. Yep. A little bit of our show, Dream Scenario. Yes, you'll be dreaming about us tonight. <laughs> it's movie time after hours. <laughs>